Hello and welcome back to the Blue Tomorrow podcast in what has been a week of similar fashion really from the rest of the season. Chelsea men lost again. Chelsea women won again. <laughs> that has been the theme of things this season. It has been a, a depressing season if you're a men's fan and a, and a fascinating season if you're a women's fan. But I do want to start with the Chelsea women. Start on a positive note because the last few episodes have been very, very downbeat. But this one, let's start with a positive. Chelsea women got an absolutely vital 2-1 victory over Liverpool. Snatching uh, victory in the last five minutes thanks to a Sam Kerr goal. Sam Kerr popping up as she... She hasn't done as much this season to be fair, but as she often does... Uh, what I want to say is, if you aren't watching the WSL at this point, what are you doing? Because this is this is the best league in the world at the moment. We're going into the final, the final four or five games, and currently Man United are on forty-seven points. Man City are on forty-four points, but they both played two games more than Chelsea, who are on forty-three points. Arsenal have fallen off a little bit. They're on 38 points, but they do have a lot of injuries in fairness to them. I think they've got four ACL injuries at the moment or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Something ridiculous right now. Yeah. But that is going to be an absolutely enthralling finish to the season. There is uh, Chelsea have five games left to play. If they win both their games in hands, they will be top of the table, but they do have some difficult figures, fixtures sorry, upcoming. So let's start with the 2-1 victory over Liverpool. Tom, we... It was a must win and we got there in the end. Yeah, I think the key word you used there was vital and you are right. Yeah, but it was, um, it's an interesting fixture, Liverpool. They're very, very good at home, but have been appalling away since they got promoted last at the end of last season. And obviously we lost to them on the opening day, which was a big shock to many, many people. So when they went one, they're up within two minutes. It was a little bit like, oh, not again, because it's not the first time this season we've gone one nil down at home as well and had to claw it back. But we got the job done, uh, thanks to a nice bit of graft, nice bit of hard work. It's nice to see a couple of our players slowly coming back. Um, Penilla Harder starting to look like her old self very slowly after her injury. And Jesse Fleming looking absolutely class in the midfield and got the got the assist from a great strike that hit the woodwork. And Sam Kerr, as she said, just pops up as she does, sealing the 2-1 victory. Very, very important win. Yeah, hugely important. It's not been the best of seasons, I think it's fair to say, for Sam Kerr. I mean, last season she was banging in goals for fun. This season had not so much, not so much fortune in front of goal. Do you think that's a, a big goal for her that could potentially propel her to higher heights towards the end of the season? Yeah, it's interesting. I think as we're so used to the high heights that Sam Kerr was producing last season that when there is a drop off, it is noticeable. She has still come up with some big, big goals for us this season. Obviously, after, after, including last night's goal, we got them a big one against United a few weeks ago. But you are right; there has been games where she has gone completely missing this season. So. There's a good chance, yeah, hopefully for the last few games that will give her some momentum. She'll find her shooting boots again because me and you have watched a few games together this season. There have been instances where Sam Kerr of last season would bury those chances, whereas this season she has had a couple of issues putting the ball in the back of the net. But yeah, I would like to think so. I think she'll have an eye on the World Cup coming up as well. So she'll be looking to find form at the right time and hopefully Chelsea can benefit from that to carry them right the way to the top. Yeah, you mentioned some of those performances where she hasn't hasn't hit the heights of what we what we really expect from her. I guess uh, one of those performances in particular, I thought, was against Barcelona in the first leg. I think she missed a few a few good chances, and actually, I might be thinking about uh, Leon away. I might be thinking about Leon yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one of those Champions League games. Yeah, I think it was Leon away. But do you think obviously Chelsea have been knocked out of the Champions League? Do you think that? that disappointment might inspire them? Or do you think it's going to have a negative effect coming um, into the closing stages of the season? Yeah, I think there was a good chance that it could have affected the players. But I think they're 
they're going to be a bit, they're going to be hungry to get something. They've got an FA Cup final coming up as well in this month, which will be another game where they'll be looking towards. That'll be there's four finals in a row for them, so it will be a good way to, for them to sort of end the season on a high. So I think they'll be looking to secure success for the end of the season. A lot of the players, like I mentioned with Sam Kerr, will be looking to build and peak at the right time going into the World Cup. So I think, yeah, the loss will have propelled them to be determined to get the job done and pick up another WSL title. Yeah, and that FA Cup final upcoming against Manchester United, that will, that's, that will be the two top top teams in the division. Mm. How important do you think that fixture is? I mean, we'll talk about it close, more when we get closer to the time. It's, it's still over a week away, but mm. do you think that could potentially swing the title, whoever wins that game? I think that could be a good momentum builder for either side. Of course, Chelsea have been in a cup final this season already and lost um, to Arsenal in the Conte Cup final back in February, which coincided with a slight slump in form, but nothing too serious. So there is a chance that could happen if... Um, one team does fall to the other. Of course, Chelsea and United have played each other very recently with a 1-0 win for Chelsea at Kings Meadow. So they're going to be very tightly matched and the game sold out very, very quickly. So in front of 90,000 people, that's going to be a very interesting tie and could, yeah, as you've pointed out, have an effect on the rest of the WSL season. Yeah, uh, I mean, the the conclusion of the WSL is going to be fantastic. If you're a Chelsea fan, it's going to be a much better watch than watching the men's team lose every week. So make sure if you can to watch those games because they are very, very entertaining, very, very high intensity. And as you can tell from the Chelsea's last result against Liverpool, it's never over until, until the end in the WSL. It's a good, good way to lift your spirits yeah. after watching the men. Unlike the so. men's team where if we go a goal behind, we we have lost already. Yes. The yes. Chelsea women's team, they are... They know how to actually fight back. <laughs> yeah, they know how to win a game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the men's team, yeah. let's move on. To, uh, I mean, it was almost humiliating, but the second half kind of saved it defeat to Arsenal. 3-1 loss, uh, Odegaard scoring twice and Gabriel Jesus scoring. Of course, Gabriel Jesus scored after we were linked with him all summer and then he went to Arsenal and we got Sterling instead, who was absolutely fantastic. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> we pulled one back uh, through Madway, who had a fantastic game. Uh, I've wrote down here in my notes, Arsenal... Effing hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Tom, what did you make of it? Oh, I was yeah, it was a painful game to watch. Um, we had a, a very, I think we had a very nice ninety seconds at the start of the game. It was like, oh, we, we're actually stringing a couple of passes together. Maybe we'll be all right. And as soon as we gave Arsenal the ball, that was that was it. Uh, the, their, their opener was coming for a long time. I think it was about the eleventh or twelfth minute they finally opened the scoring, but. I don't, I don't know what the plan was. I think I've said that after about the last four games we've been watching with the men's team. We're, anytime we're out of possession, the system doesn't make any sense to me. We're, we're pushing N'Golo Kante into sort of a 4-4-2 formation to go up front with Aubameyang, he was with this time. But when with Aubameyang on the pitch, it's like Kante's playing up there on his own to try and win the ball back. Because I don't think I saw Aubameyang make more than three steps of a sprint, which was disappointing to see. But... And then also with the wingers as well, they get pushed so far back. There were occasions where Sterling and Mad Wake were further back than Azpilicueta and um, Ben Chilwell, which is not going to work at all because neither, neither of them are strong tacklers of the ball or going to win the ball back off of the charging Trossard or Jesus or Odegaard, whoever was coming at them. And that is what sort of led to our opening goals. They're coming down the overlapping sides and the cutbacks, which is very simple to do. And when you're leaving Enzo and Kovacic to do the mopping up, it just doesn't work like... We, we tried it. We've tried it before when we had a midfield three of Kovacic and Jorginho would have been at the time with Kante playing further up the pitch and it just leaves us exposed and open. I mean, we're, we're exposed and open no matter what we play at the moment, but having Kante push further up, just, just it just doesn't work going forward or defending. 
So it was a, it was a painful watch, and like you said, I think it, we survived humiliation. And I think I tweeted after the game, Arsenal should have been embarrassed that it wasn't five, six, seven nil, and the fact they let us, let us score a goal was was yeah poor from them, in my opinion. But it's another one where it's a good side coming in. They're looking for a bit of confidence. We are the perfect team to play if you need a bit of confidence. You can come in and be you're nowhere near your best and easily absolutely batter us. So yeah, another disappointing watch. I mean, you mentioned the the lineup and the kind of how that was set up. When I first saw the lineup, I was I was I was quietly surprised and quietly happy with what I saw. I mean, I saw three attackers and the lineup for the first time in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw what looked like a decent midfield and a solid defence, apart from Aspilicueta, but we don't have a choice because Reese James is injured. Mm-hmm. But the way it was deployed, man, I mean, it was almost like we were playing six at the back. Sterling and and Maddie Wake were playing as, as almost wing backs with yeah. with almost four centre backs, and we still couldn't defend. Yeah. And I mean, you've got Kante running around up front. What is that? Why is Kante playing at almost centre forwards? Yeah. I mean, I know he's there to press the press the Arsenal defenders or whatever, but when no one else, as you mentioned, no one else is pressing with him, what's the point? They're just going to pass it around him. Mm. They're professional footballers. They're not children. Mm. They know how to pass around Kante running around like a headless chicken when no one else on our team is, is willing to move. I mean, Aubameyang is just a disgrace. This whole transfer with Aubameyang has been a disaster from day one till till day now. And I mean, he's obviously going to be released on a free at the end of the season. No one's going to pay any money for him. And Barcelona have just completed the ultimate money laundering strategy in one year. Well, I mean, congratulations to Barcelona because they sold him for, they bought him for what? Two million or something sold him for fifteen million, and now they're just going to get him back for free uh, next year. I mean, yeah, it mm. it's it's absolutely embarrassing. There was one positive, maybe one positive to take from this uh, from this game, and that was the performance of Nani Madwake, who's really struggled since he came in uh, in January. He's, he's struggled for minutes, and he's struggled when he's been on the pitch. I mean, before the game, I was like, well, I was almost resigned to the fact that he would be going out on loan next season, but. One of the only players on the pitch. I mean, the only Chelsea player on the pitch who can walk off with his head somewhat high. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I really want to give him his flowers. Um, he was he he shone in a game where everything was against him. Uh, there were a, a, about three or four really good runs he made where he had no right to take the ball as far as he did. I think they were picked up when he was playing in that right back position sometimes, and he beat about three or four players down the Arsenal nine. I think the one one small thing of his game that he might have been a little could have done a little bit better is finding people at the end of those runs. But when he's as as we've mentioned with how poor Aubameyang was, it wasn't that he wasn't actually exactly helping him in that aspect and he was rewarded with a goal. And it's very it's great for him to get off the mark. Hopefully that'll give him a bit more confidence. I mean hopefully we're gonna see him against Bournemouth this weekend and he can build on from there. And I I'm not really one to always shine upon social media, but it's very rare you see players on part of these sort of teams that will be their true selves still on social media because of how toxic it is and how, I mean, we've Chelsea fan base alone have pushed Romelu Lukaku, Mason Mount off their personal Twitters and give them over to teams because of how horrific it is whenever you put any tweet out. And yeah, he, he put a great tweet out, which clearly was tweeted out by him and not some management team, and it showed he cared, which a lot of players who started the game on on Tuesday night definitely didn't show that at all in my opinion players like Sterling players like Kovacic players like Aubameyang who have quite but three out of those four are quite likely to go to be leaving at the end of the season then I mean bring on Hakim Ziyech again great that's someone who was a fax away from leaving the club back in January another substitution that made no sense and it, it's, it's hard. I, I am just going to end up round I've, I've started this trying to be really positive about, about Mad Wake and naturally it just sort of spirals back down to being depressed again but 
hopefully that can be something to build on. And hopefully that is an example to Frank that if you play these young players who are on these long contracts, who are hungry for minutes, hungry to play well, they're going to surprise you and sometimes we'll show up and show what we why we bought them. Like, I'd love to see Mudrik to play that sort of game if he gets another chance. I'd love to see Charlie with Mecca. I mean, he's not played a single minute under Frank Lampard yet. I'm not sure what's going on there. He's not even been on the bench for the last two games. He's another one who I think, if he gets a chance from the start, he can do something really well. Get Lewis Hall in at right back instead of Aspilicueta, who, again, was showed he's barely played this season. He's showing his age now. Playing in a back four, which he wasn't good at at his peak, let alone now, it's... There are so many things that we could have done better, and uh, fair play to Lonnie Megway for shining in that shower of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to quickly just jump in there and say mm-hmm. Aspilicueta under Jose Mourinho in 2014 playing yeah. playing left back. Playing left back, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. fantastic so then. Cola, yeah, he? yeah, he was right, absolutely right. fantastic then. But yeah, yeah, I do agree. Aspilicueta playing in a back five now is, is pain, and playing in a back four... Mm. Is, is the disaster yeah him and Thiago Silva together I don't know I thought the head might their combined age but it's got to be over 70 years old yeah, which de- is just... I mean it's definitely over 70 yeah yeah, yeah they're both yeah, they're both, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah you know it is it's just yeah so yeah you mentioned a few players there one I just want to talk about well there's two players I want to talk about one you mentioned just then uh, Mateo Kovacic mm-hmm. he has been the subject of some transfer rumours including being linked with Manchester City which I just want to preface this by saying that would be an absolute disaster if he's on to Man City because Pep Guardiola would turn him into a 20 goal a season midfielder somehow I don't know how but he would do it he's magic <laughs> um, but yeah he's been really poor over the last few weeks like like really poor yeah. I mean we give Conor Gallagher a lot of st- stick but I mean Kovacic has been worse than Conor Gallagher if you're looking at it objectively mm-hmm. and just looking at over these last few weeks what do you think should happen with him in the summer yeah, I agree with you. He has been really, really... I think since he came back from the World Cup, I don't remember a good game that he's put in for us. And he seemingly he is one of the first names on Frank's team sheet, which, I, I mean, I, I, that's probably coming from how he played under him three years ago. But, yeah, he ha- I, I, I agree with you that he should definitely not be sold to Man City. I think he's completely shut up shop and has resigned to leaving. He, know, he probably knows he, well, he probably knows he doesn't want to be here next season. May, whether he will be or not is... We'll have to wait and see on that one. But you're right in saying we should not sell him to Man City because if he goes into that side, he will be surrounded by world-class players who are playing in a system that has been learned and thrilled for the past five or six years that Pep Guardiola's been there now. And he will flourish. He will absolutely flourish if he goes to the Man City side. And we will have more egg on our face for selling to a rival. So if he is to leave, then we've got to make sure that happens to a team abroad. We cannot sell him to... I mean. I, I can't really call City a rival anymore because of how far behind we are now. But yeah, to sell them to a, a fellow Premier League side would be awful business on our part, no matter how much money we can probably get for them. Yeah, you can't really call them a rival at all. No. I mean, they're not. They're, we're not going to be competing for the titles. So they're not title rivals. No. We're going to be competing for top four potentially, but City are basically your top four guaranteed before the season even begins. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think. The, Calling them rivals would be like calling Brighton rivals. Well, I mean, actually... No, they're, 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 they're not in their league either. They're not in their league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last player I want to talk about from this game, and we have talked about him a lot, but it is Kepa. Okay. I do want to talk about the first goal that we conceded because on first view, I was like, oh, that's just a great finish by Odegaard. But watching it back, it's the middle of the goal. It's not the top of the goal, and Kepa gets a hand to it, and it's still it goes in the back of the net. It just feels like when we have Kepa in goal, we're just... We're just a walking, conceding machine. Like, it doesn't matter where someone shoots from or who is shooting. Anyone can score. I mean, 
What did you make of Kepa's of that first save? Yeah, it's not the first time on this podcast that we've been talking about a shot that Kepa probably should have saved. And I think I'm going to be in the reverse sort of viewpoint that we've had from previous 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 occasions where this happened. I was of the opinion as soon as that goal went in, first thing I thought, Edouard Mendy saves that. <laughs> which which I, is something that you will often say to me and I'll, I'll often try and argue it. But I think that's a true fact. There's, it just highlights his... his very strong weakness that we can't have him in goal when we are playing as badly as we are because to take a phrase that you've used on this podcast before players get the confidence to shoot from anywhere because it's Kepa in goal nine times out of ten it's going to go in like I will give him a small bit of praise that I think it might be the most saves in a game I've seen him make all season. Yeah, he did actually make a lot of saves. There were about three or four yeah. yeah shots on target they did turn away none of them were ridiculous saves by any means but you are right it's another goal we've conceded where he hasn't showered himself in glory at all. Um, second one, he maybe could have done better as well, but he's, he's, he knows his strengths and weaknesses. His, he lets himself down with his positioning because he should know he's not going to be able to save these wonder shots if he's not right planted in the correct position. And yeah, he's a, it's it's a position we are... I, I don't think it's our main priority, but it's something that we need to address in the summer. What I just don't understand is how, how can Edouard Mendy not get a game I mean, sure, we use the goalkeeper to pass the ball to him. Just stop doing that. I'd rather not concede six goals a game from wonder strikes. Every single game we concede a wonder strike because we've got, we've got Kepper in goal. And, okay, we can't pass to the goalkeeper every single ball anyway. Maybe that'll actually force us to go out of our own half when we've got the ball anyway. I mean, I just don't understand how a keeper who was goalkeeper of the year literally two years ago... Less than two years ago, he was he was mm. voted goalkeeper of the year. He was absolutely phenomenal. Yes, he had a bad spell, and yes, he's not good with the ball at his feet. But we need a goalkeeper that can save shots, and Mendy can save shots. Do you think Frank should bring him back in, or do you think just stick with Kepa till the end, the end of the season? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'd I'd like to see him start against Bournemouth if he's fully fit and ready to go, which I assume he is because he was on the bench against Arsenal. What have we got to lose at this point? We might as well change it up as much as we can now, Frank. I believe. With Frank's sort of team lineups he's been picking, I think he's been trying to play it safe and picking players who, from his experience, are those who are our first teamers, so should be helping us produce the results. But as Nonny Mad Wake showed, if we play a youngster, they're probably going to be the best players on the pitch, or someone who hasn't been getting minutes will probably be one of the best players on the pitch. I mean, it, our style is obviously playing out from the back, but we're at that point now where we might as well throw out any tactical mouse we've got because it's not working against anyone. We, we can't score to save our lives and we concede every single game. So we might as well delve back into some Sean Dyche style of play and just put in a goalkeeper who can save some shots, lump it long every single time. We can throw David Dutra for Fafana up there with Havertz. They might be winning over to win a header. Let's, yeah, just change it up completely. I, I, I have completely lost it at this point now. I'm, I would, yeah, I'd love to see Mendy back in goal if he's fully fit and ready to go, which, yeah, again, I, it looks like he probably might be. And I think we might, if it's not the Bournemouth game, I'm pretty sure he will get at least one or two chances because, I mean, it's not too long ago when Lampard was last in, chance, in charge, Kepa got dropped for a 39-year-old Willy Caballero. So even for the FA Cup final, Willy Caballero started that game. I think he started the last four league games that season because Kepa was being as awful as he is being at the moment. So there's no reason why not. Marcus Bettinelli might as well go and go at this point because, he, 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 again, he's another one who might be able to save a shot. So The only thing I will say about Kepa is he is one of the only players on the pitch who I think has an, an ounce of leadership inside of his body. He is very vocal, mm. which I do like, but he can't catch the ball from corners. He can't save the ball. And Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not dominant at all if the ball comes in. I think Arsenal had four corners it, just in the first half alone and every single one it looked like, oh, if you're not... Like, we conceded from corners quite often this season. 
there's reasons Brentford would that's because we're saying it into our own net because Kepper is awful at coming out and being a presence and a commandment in his box so it leaves our defenders to try and deal with it and when we haven't got a big physical presence like Badia Shiel or Koulibaly to clear the ball we're even more at risk so yeah it's another massive flaw in his game and it's yeah we need to change it I mean the only reason we didn't concede a, a corner against Arsenal is because Thiago Silva did the most nonchalant clearance off the Very line very true yeah I'd forgotten about that but he mm. just flicked it onto his knee, chested it and then cleared it all yeah. literally on the line. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> and that's because Kepa, I mean, the ball was inside the six-yard box yeah, and Kepa, missed, and Kepa mm. didn't catch it. So, I mean, we have to do that. Let's move on to testing Tom. And I'll, I'll bring back the positivity okay. and look at this year's WSL season. Ooh. Let's see how, how much you've been paying attention mm. to the WSL this season. I'm just going to move this over there. Okay. Um, mm. Uh, how how is your WSL knowledge? Um, I mean, I do watch it a lot, but it's not something I can reel off fact after fact. Like, okay. I could, I'd probably be better at something football men's twenty years ago for Chelsea, but <laughs> I can give it a good go. I've, I've watched a lot this yeah, season. Yeah, you give so. it a go. You give it a go. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Who is Chelsea's top scorer this season? In the um, pre- in the WSL. In the, in the WSL, Sanka. It is, yeah. but you also need to get how many goals she has oh, scored. Oh God, okay. No, I'm not going to be able to do that without a complete guess. Well, I'm going to try and judge this off um, Lyle Anthony Golding's Twitter with his Bunny Shaw update every time she scores because I know she's ahead of Sam Kerr this season and I'm she not is, sure she is, the giant top she is the giant top scorer with Alessia Russo, I believe it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure what her WSL goals are because Lyle will update it for I can every competition. You. you can 17. 17, okay. Yeah, I think she's on 21 in total, so that makes sense. So I'm going to go WSL for Sam Kerr, 11. That is incorrect. Ah. It's nine. It's not. Uh, I was going to go under double figures. But Come I on, I did say earlier she's not been having a great yeah, season. Yeah, fair. This yeah. is fair. Mm. Okay, well, I don't, I don't have much faith for you for this one then. Okay. <laughs> it's numbers based, yeah, I'm going to let you down. Who has it. got the... I'll, actually, I'll just if you can get the name, you get okay. this right. Who yeah. has got the most assists for Chelsea this Ooh, season? That's a tough one. Um, trying to think who's played, who's not been injured at all this season. Could be Guru Ryson, could be Aaron Cuthbert. Uh, let's go Guru Ryson. That is correct. Yeah, come on. Do you want to guess how many she's go, got? I'll give it a go. Um, let's go seven. Nope. She has also got nine. Nine, okay. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah, nice. Third question. Chelsea have the second highest goal difference in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get their goal difference to the nearest five. Ah. And who are they behind? Who are they behind? Oh. Who are we they have joint, joint. Do I say joint? Joint second. Joint highest. second. Okay. Um, I assume it's one of the four that are battling out for the title who are leading the way. I'll try and answer that one first. Or oh, trying to think. It would it be Man City or Arsenal? Man City score a lot of goals. I know Man City are leading the way. Goal difference. I'm pretty sure it is actually. Is it Arsenal? It is Man United. Oh wow! I, I wouldn't have put it to them. Yeah. Yeah. They have. Uh, yeah, they've scored the most goals in the league and conceded mm. the least amount of goals Fair in the league. Play. Yeah, okay. but we have played two less games. This than is them. true. Um, so, so you ask for our goal difference. Yeah, but we're not going to catch them in the next two games. Okay, I'll, so I'll tell you that. No, That's it. Right, okay. <laughs> um, let's go with something reasonable, but not too embarrassing for a team that should be should be top. Of, will hopefully be top of the table. Let's go eighteen plus eighteen. That's that's wrong. Ah, a lot more than that. <laughs> it's twenty nine. Ah, okay. Yeah, at least not like forty one or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final question: 
you, you need to up your WSL. Knowledge. I do, yeah. yeah. This is the second time you called me out with this. Yeah. So it's, it's, I need to be doing well, the only way I can make this a positive and fun section is if we talk about the WSL. Oh, you talk about Chelsea from 20, 2004. I don't yeah, but I, I try and link it to something that's <laughs> nah, happened in the week. Really something that's happened in the week. And what would that say? Uh, Jody Morris worst, <laughs> worst Derby Day defeats. That could be. Yeah, that, that yeah I, could, I could tell you. Like, actually, no, I uh, don't remember the losses very well. How many clean sheets have Chelsea kept this season? Oh, how many clean sheets have we kept this season? Um, we can see quite a lot. To be fair, there's been a lot of games where we've let in silly goals. So I assume that there have been a lot of games where we have kept it kept it dry as well. So. I am going to go with if it's nine again. I'm going to be very angry. Um, now I can. Now I'm going to be annoyed if I don't go nine. And it is. Um, we get eight. It's nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. I'm joking. It's six. Sorry, it's Edward, six. It's six. It's far too loud. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, it's okay. It's closer. It six. six. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, not very good. No, it? no. I mean, yeah, think... there's been loads of games where we've been like two 0 up, and then the other team would immediately pull one back. Or like yeah. I mentioned earlier, we will concede within the first two minutes. Do you want to know how many clean sheets Man United have? Is it something like 13, 14? Twelve. Twelve. Wow. Yeah. That's a sixty-three percent clean sheets mm. in that game. That is, no wonder we only beaten one 0 at home. That's yeah. yeah. I mean. If we win the league, we're stealing it from them. Really. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've, <laughs> they've got, got the they've best got... goal difference, the most clean sheets, the most mm. goals scored, the least goals conceded. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they got a world-class defence, to be fair, with yeah. back there. And Mary Oaks in goal, so this is yeah. probably the best keeper in the league. Ryan Kratchenberger might be slightly better, but yeah, yeah English bias coming out for me there. <laughs> Let's uh, wrap things up with a little preview. I mean, we talked briefly about... Did we talk about uh, the women's team playing? No, we team? haven't, actually. Oh, let's yeah. talk about Everton, then, mm. because... They're a mid-table side, and I mean Chelsea are playing a lot of fixtures. Mm. And our, our fellow sports journalist Paddy Knowles said uh, that because of the amount of fixtures Chelsea are playing, uh, that they are going to slip up. Do you see that happening? Because I don't. It's a fair thought because we do. We are playing like every three days for the next four weeks, which is going to be a big test for the team. But we've got a couple of players coming back. Hopefully, Buchanan will be back in a few weeks, so we can mix up the defence. But no, this team are built on winning. No matter they'll, they'll, no matter what they're facing, they seem to grind out results. So yeah, I'd like to think they are able to do it. And I think Everton at home is one of the best, one of the perf- one of the better fixtures we could have because they have nothing to play for now. They're in no risk of getting relegated. It's either going to be Brighton, Reading, or um, is it Leicester down there as well Leicester. with them? Yeah, and Spurs. yeah. Oh, yeah, Spurs are also not safe yet. But yeah, I think they're 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 a good side to come and have a come visit. Cause, yeah, we can. Hopefully that doesn't mean that our team will be complacent because we have got the tendency to do that. But I think if we're sort of building towards the FA Cup final now, so hopefully they're going to start finding their rhythm. Yeah, we're in the home win. stretch now. Yeah, we exactly. need to grind out the results. And we do have to win both our games in hand to mm. go to the top of the table because yeah. I mentioned that goal difference. If we draw one and win one. And we do, yeah, we do have Arsenal coming up this month as well. Yeah. Which is going to be, that's going to be a very key game. My only, the only good thing about Arsenal is that their squad's completely gutted this because is true. of the amount yeah, of injuries yeah, they've got. They are having horrific luck at the moment. Which is unfortunate for them but good for us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk uh, lastly about Bournemouth. Okay. Um, do you think that Frank Lampard's going to start a Bamiang? Yes or no? Actually, I'm going to ask you a series of yes okay, or no I'm questions. Do you think Aubameyang will start? No. Do you think Kepa will start? Yes. Do you think Kovacic, Enzo Fernandez, and Kante will be the midfield? No. Do you think Mudrik will start? Yes. Do you think Havertz will start? Yes. Do you think Aspilicueta will start? Ooh. If we go back five, yes. Do you think we will score? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Do you think we will concede? Yes. 
So you think we will lose? Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even even when we were we were quite good, our form away at Bournemouth has been pretty poor. <laughs> I'm not I, even weeks ago when we were in good form, I was always dreading this fixture. So we've gone there and lost three nil. Um, I think Frank's we've gone two, there and lost four nil. Well, yeah, we? <laughs> yeah. They've come to us and beaten us three 0 before. I think we've only bit won there twice in sort of three or four attempts, which is not a good sign. I think it was a Marcos Marcos Alonso brace the last time we went there that saved us from falling to defeat in the season. Is that when he scored days. some incredible free kick or something? Uh, no, that was a game we won that oh, one. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was. I think it was the final game of fans before lockdown that we played away from home back in 2020. And yeah, the Jefferson Lerma brace in the second half pulled us back off, pulled them back into the game. But yeah, no, I, good times. I don't, yeah, yeah, great times. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's hard to have faith, isn't it, with the men's team at the moment. I think what I'd like to see is a nice change to the lineup. Lots of different young players having a chance. I think Cesc Fabregas mentioned it in the pre-match, uh, pre-match interview on Sky before the Arsenal game that back in 15-16, we just shut up shop and gave a lot of youngsters a chance. Like players like Matt Miafka were getting starts at centre-back and Bertrand Traore ended up scoring two or three Premier League goals because he was given an opportunity. So I'd love to see both Mudrick and Madwake start on the wings. I'd even like to see David Dattro and Favana start up front, up front, but I doubt that's going to happen. So tablets between those two would be nice. I'd like to see at least Chitwamecha on the bench. I'd like to see Lewis Hall back on the bench. I'd like to see Baddy Shield start again. I think he's only played once under Frank, which is that Brighton game. And he did, to be fair to him, he didn't play amazingly in that Brighton game. But go back five with Fafana, Silva, and give Baddy Shield his chance again. So I think we play a lot better with the back five, at the, especially at the moment when we, our confidence is so low. Take Kovacic out of that midfield and put Enzo and Kante back together as a pair. Let Kante sit further back. Having those two pacey boys on the wing will mean there's a bit more pressing going on. So, and with Havertz there, he's going to do, even though he's not the best at pressing the ball, he's going to do 10 times the work that Aubameyang did against Arsenal. So <laughs> I'd, much, I'd much prefer that. So I mean, I can do 10 times. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aubameyang did at Arsenal. Mm. Um, you did just mention what Cesc Fabregas said. Cesc mm. Fabregas. Oh, yeah, what a name. Cesc Fabregas said, he said, I'm going to be quick because we are going on a little bit. But he yeah. said that basically after that disaster season with Jose Mourinho where he was fired and was it Hiddink who came in? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, Hiddink who came in as interim. Mm. The next season we won the league under Conte. Do you mm. think that's possible? Um, I, I can't remember who... Um, Just say no. Yeah, I'm going to go the long way around with no here. Yeah, but someone did put a nice tweet out on Chelsea Twitter that summed up quite nicely. We had the players, the staff and the ownership who had won the league a season earlier than that and three seasons earlier than that. We got in a great manager in Conte. We made the signings we needed to make in in, in Golo Kante, David Luiz. And even, I mean, even Marcus Alonso turned out to be an amazing sign. Come on, Marcus Alonso was fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we had, the, we had the bread and butter there, whereas we are completely threadbare in people who know how to do that. We've started from scratch this season. We've had everyone taken out. It's completely new backroom staff, completely new team. Completely, It will be a completely new manager. Hopefully by this time next week, we'll have a bit more of an inkling who that's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised either way if we do or don't, but no is the answer to your question. No. <laughs> I, I agree also. Mm. No. And I just to quickly end this, I'm predicting uh, 2-0 Bournemouth. And Dominic Solanke is going to score a brace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Former team against Chelsea. Someone player coming back to play Chelsea. Yes, yeah. he is. Gary, put some money on it. I Good think. for my FBL yeah. team. Ah, you put him in. Nice. Yeah, he can join Emerson and William in that, yeah. in that company this season. And on that positive note, we are going to end. Uh, thank you very much for, for listening. This has been the Blue Tomorrow podcast. And bye-bye.